Welcome to Dragon Talk, everybody! Yes, yes, Dragon Talk! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and I'm Greg Tito. And as always, we got somebody else on this microphone. Shelly Mazzanoble! Yeah! Oh, I almost just made myself joke. (laughs) Always a good auspicious start. Always, always good for a podcast to hear the host just coughing into the microphone. Who doesn't (laughs) love that? Everyone does. It's the oh, best. My God. We, other than this intro, we've got a very great episode <laughs> for you uh, going on. We're talking to Kat Kruger, returning. Uh, she's the DM of D20 Dames, and she's been doing a lot of work for us on the Dungeons & Dragons writing side, especially with our nerds promotion. Nerds. And just kind of one of my favorite people. She's she is very delightful. Extremely creative, uh, doing great work through and through, and it was great to catch up with her as well as uh, learn about what's going on with the the D20 Dames and how candy is made. Wait, no, we didn't actually yeah, talk about well, that. No, but sort of. If candy is a metaphor for an amazing adventure content, <laughs> then I yes. Guess that's- then the yes, the idiom there is how the sausage is made. Right, right. Right, the candy is made. The candy. So stay tuned uh, for that interview. Um, and speaking of the nurse promotion, you should be very excited about going into your store anywhere over the world, right? Is it worldwide or is it yes, just... Yes, wherever like nerds are sold. And get yourself a package of nerds gummy clusters. They're fantastic. They'll mm. have D&D branding all over God. them. Then you go to a website... Put in your proof of purchase, and you can download a free adventure that was written by Kat Kruger. Uh, or seven of them. S- seven of them? Yes. Well, because you have to, every every proof of purchase gets you, and unlocks another adventure. There are six mini adventures in one less mini adventure. It's uh, the, the mini Mega? adventures are, are one-on-one, uh, level one, like super intro-friendly, super family-friendly. And then when you get to the seventh, that's when all the nerd, the whole party comes together and it's third level. So you get a, a beefier amount of content there. I love this so. because everybody who's listening to this can go out and encourage your parental friends to get candy for their kids, get the adventures, and then get them learned up on how to play pretend together using the D&D framework. Mm-hmm. And then they all join in the party because we're all better together at the end. That's true. And some, and you get to be really adorable little nerds. They're so cute. And they all map to the different classes uh, that are out there, which we talk about in the interview. Uh, you'll get the me trying to figure out what they are based on the qualities that each color nerd has. You did great, Greg. I did pretty good. Well, you, you did great. You, you set me up for success, which is what D, good DMs do. So you're already learning, Shelly. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't want to say, because I'm, you know, I'm not making any promises, but when I was reading the adventures, I was thinking, because they are meant for a dungeon master and a player. Yeah. And, and guided and intro-friendly, you know, not just for the player, but for the dungeon master too. And I did have thoughts like, I bet I, I, bet I could do this. You could do that. I bet I could. Well, you're going to, I think. I don't know about that. <laughs> but I am going to eat some gummy clusters. And it's not just gummy clusters. You can find that this promotion is available on um, the, you know, nerds, sprinkly candies. The package, just the plain what? old nerds? Yeah, the, the, reg- the regular nerds. 
Um, but Greg and I just are very partial to those coming clusters because they're, so, they're good. so good. I know. I'm thinking about it right now and like my mouth mm. is actually watering. I have a, a bag sitting right here, but it's like a mock-up with the promotion on it. So I don't want to open it, but it's can like. put it through towards the camera good, so I can eat it? Good. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. Have you ever tried to take candy from a baby, by the way? Oh, yeah, totally. It's not easy. I ripped candy Total out of the hands of. No more. Like when they pick it up off the ground uh, and it's covered in dirt and they're like, oh, that's it's already the going time. to their mouth. I literally hit it out of my kid's hand. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cry and cry. And then, but I protected them from so many germs and raccoon poops and whatever was touching that. Some things that aren't actually candy at all. <laughs> um, apropos of nothing, but speaking of your kids, remember yeah. when Edna was trying to point out that birdhouse in your yard? And she opened the door and that bird flew out and almost killed me. Yes, I yeah. do remember that. Anyway. I just, she, that was like a trap. She was literally being she, like, check this out. Isn't this, this really cool thing? Oh, by the way, here's a monster. Who's it gonna was like, me. it was a mimic. It was a birdhouse mimic. <laughs> it, and she was laughing so hard. Oh, I didn't know the bird was going to be in there. Oh, really? You totally knew. She knew. Probably uh, you saw that bird drive up, park in the driveway, go into the front door. <laughs> <laughs> With a knife uh, and a, a shower curtain for some reason. And, we're like, and a hockey mask over its little bird face. <laughs> and a Huey Lewis in the News album. <laughs> no, that's even the be- that's the that's even better. I heard we heard the sounds of I want a new drug coming from the window of that birdhouse, and yet she still made me open See, the door. I think she would be a very good dungeon master. I think she's got all the uh, you know deception rules ready to go. Well, yes, very charming as well. Very charming. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, we are going to learn how to DM a little bit in our segment before we talk to Cat, right, Shelly? Heck yeah. This was a super fun one. I talked to Laura Gray, who is an illustrator, um, just a, a, a D&D fan, also a games writer for Screen Rant, which is how I discovered them. Uh, I read a wonderful article that they wrote about encouraging um, player bonding through downtime. And you know I love me some bonding. Mm-hmm. So I uh, we reached out and asked if they would like to be a guest on our, our little segment here to finish. Let's dig into this topic of, of bonding during downtime. And it was so fun. Great, great information. And I'm happy to say Laura is going to be a returning guest. So. <gasps> Sweet. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to meet her. Um, but let's give a listen to your How to DM right about that. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to How to Be a Dungeon Master. I am here with a wonderful guest, Laura Gray, who is a full-time illustrator, a D&D enthusiast, and a games writer for Screen Rant. And managing to do all of those things while also being a new parent, which... Is shocking, but welcome, Laura. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's going to be really exciting to go over some of these topics that I'm personally really enthusiastic about. I am so excited, and I did read um, many uh, articles that you have written about <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm like, oh, that would be a good topic, and this would be a good topic. But um, what you're here to, to talk about is um, a recent article that was published by Screen Rant. I, I get like... Uh, 
I don't, I mean, I see like hundreds of articles on D&D pop up every day, it seems like. And I read a lot of them, but the headline on your article really struck me. It was how to encourage D&D party bonding in downtime. I'm scrolling back through the article. During downtime. During downtime, yeah. So for me personally, uh, this topic actually goes back to my hesitation to begin playing D&D a few years ago. Um, I feel like one of the things that I had always been really worried about was that when I heard people talk about Dungeons and Dragons, it was always the combat, you know? You spend hours and hours in combat cycles. You fight these amazing bosses. You go through these dungeons. Um, but I'm a creative writer and comic illustrator, and I've always had a deep love of narrative. So when I first got introduced into the storyline, I kind of, my first TND campaign, I homebrewed the whole thing and blew it up. It was awesome. But I learned a lot of really important things right out the get-go that I don't think I would have learned had I been doing a pre-built campaign. And that is the weight and value of role play, especially as a new player, when you're still trying to pick up all of the rules, when you might be overwhelmed or intimidated by the vast world you're exploring. Um, and as I've gone on to continue to play as a player and run as a DM, um, something that's always kind of come back up with new players is I'm really nervous because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. How do I get comfortable? I'm nervous to join a party with other experienced players. And I found that encouraging bonding with your party and role play between your characters helps to strengthen that courage in your new players while encouraging cohesiveness and immersion in your long-term player party. It's amazing. So we've, we've talked a little bit about down, downtime in this segment because I, I do think it's something that gets overlooked a lot. I think like dungeon masters might feel the pressure to just be like encounter after encounter after encounter. Mm -hmm. And a lot of players really gravitate towards like the action and like, you know, they want to have that combat, but there is so much to be said for those downtime activities. And when I know one of the things I love about playing D and D is the bonding I experience with the people I'm playing with. Like a lot of mm -hmm. what happens in the game kind of, you know, bleeds out into your real life and you do feel a really strong connection to the, the people that you're experiencing this imaginary game with. But we never, I never really think about like the PCs interacting with PCs. We spend so much time talking to, to NPCs, mm -hmm. you know, throughout the, the dungeon master peppers them into the story and we're meant to, you know, to get information or go on a quest that's, you know, they, they are giving us. But I never... I'm trying to think back into the games that I've played and I don't remember spending a lot of time talking to my party. Yeah. And that's a really common situation. And I personally think that it really impacts your engagement with your party. I have found that um, encouraging party bonding enables players to care about the characters beyond their own and puts more weight in the survival of your party as a whole, more interest in other character backstories. And as a DM, I found it invaluable because this information that you gain as characters interact with each other allows you to throw in specifically flavored moments that bolster certain characters. Um, I think in that piece, I talked a lot about like, you have the opportunity to set up specific situations that cater to a character's strengths. So say you have like 
a rogue who has spent their entire life outdoors, has learned most of their trade from maybe a family member, a mentor, somebody they really care about. And they're traveling with a city-bound cleric who's never spent a night out in the woods. And they have this opportunity to engage in a way where the cleric can express their anxieties about being in the woods for the first time. And the rogue can be like, well, here's the skill that I learned when I was a kid. You get this really interesting flavor as well as encouraging this relationship between these two characters that would otherwise not really interact a whole lot. Um, one of the things that I've noticed too is when you have fighters versus heavy magic users, there can occasionally be like a party divide where a character will spend a lot of time preparing spells or they'll spend time shopping for their own components while say you have a fighter who's busy at the blacksmiths. And like, obviously a lot of the time, um, in fast-paced campaigns, this stuff would be considered do it on your own. Make sure you're prepared before the session. Yeah. But I feel like it takes away from the opportunity to kind of like have a moment. Um, and these moments don't have to be very long. Um, when I'm running my campaigns, I try to keep um, the character interaction somewhere between the three and four minute range per character interaction, which can kind of add up. But I've found that the sacrifice of an encounter, like a random raider encounter, actually um, the, the balance works out really nicely because these players have the ability to build their interpersonal skills and um, come up with really entertaining plot twists for the DM. You have two characters that have been spending a lot of time together. They learn each other's play styles and then suddenly they're working together in combat in a way they wouldn't before. You know, the cleric is suddenly invested mm. in this rogue and may go out of their way to ensure a healing spell or the rogue may see an opportunity to um, investigate a situation that would include the cleric instead of the, these two classes that may not interact a whole lot, actually getting this opportunity to build that relationship. That is, that makes a lot of sense. But as, so do you have to give any um, guidance to the players when like, are you like, like, are they going to be like, why are we alone in the store together? Like, or so, Yes. And the skill of this is learned. So you have some people who will come in natural thespians. Mm -hmm. They're usually playing bards or wizards <laughs> and figure. they are very open and excitable and ready to engage with any opportunity you give them. But then you may have like somebody who's playing a barbarian who's a little bit more like trying to play that stoic character. So trying to encourage that downtime, what I usually do with new players or in situations where I want that, that engagement is I put a common puzzle in the space. So like um, in the instance of the camping scenario with the rogue and the cleric, they need a fire. So I'm like, mm. okay, well, who wants to build the fire? And I try to get two characters to kind of volunteer for certain specifics um, the other thing, you know, you can set up, I hate to use the tavern because I think I've written a few pieces now about the tavern yeah. being the place to engage, but say you have two characters sitting at a table over dinner and you give them the opportunity to like, say the bartender walks by and accidentally knocks over the tankard on one of the characters. And like, is anybody in the party going to come up and like engage with them, help them clean up the mess, see if there's a place for them to get straightened up. And this sounds like such tedious stuff, but in the moment it goes by so quickly. And the, then these characters have that opportunity to engage in conversation. Um, in characters who've been playing in campaigns that I run, 
um, and they've, they're used to this play style. I've actually found that after about four or five sessions, they'll notice when I'm giving them the opportunity to engage and they will take it usually. Oh, okay. So, um, for example, um, the party is headed to a new town. They've just finished an encounter. They have 40 minutes of walk time to the next location. Um, and I'll say something like, all right, so you guys are about 40 minutes out. Does anybody, um, have anything that they're looking at. And I'll give them a chance to kind of engage in their surroundings, engage in each other, or I'll point out that the weather's particularly chilly or rainy. And like these give them kind of prompts for their character to react. This also goes back to the piece I wrote about encouraging character role play. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of people are fond of immersion and playing as their character in their character with a character voice. And um, I, this opportunity actually originated from that encouraging players to use their character voice instead of saying, well, my character walked over here and my character walked over there saying, you know, um, Bell noticed that it was particularly wet and cold. He draws his cloak more around him, but the fabric is very thin. And my character, um, like encouragement has helped bring the role players out of the role players. Like people who start out really, really shy, um, by the end of a of a first arc are usually pretty bold and engaging with their surroundings and the other players that they are in the party with. Yeah, I that was one of the things that stood out in your in the article was that how these interactions have a lot of benefits, obviously, but but one of them is for new players and how it boosts their confidence because mm-hmm. when I have played with with brand new people they get really nervous about role-playing. Yeah. Like that is one thing that they're like, I don't think I can do a voice and I'm scared I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I don't know, like, especially when they're playing with experienced people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like great. How do, I, I love the idea of giving them this confidence. But in a way, when I read that, I was like, that almost seems counter to like what I know about new players. But you're saying like, this actually is a good exercise for them. Yeah. And it can be really intimidating. Um, Something that I do when I have new players starting is um, we do the introduction episode. So there is no heavy plot in that like episode zero for us. Usually it's like, you're all making a decision to go into a space and do something together. A good example is right now I'm running a um, epic run uh, haunted house and the characters have all responded to this flyer And they arrive outside of the haunted house because it promises them the ability to have an experience they have never had in all their travels. And at level 20, you know, these, these guys have seen a few things. Mm -hmm. So they show up and they have the opportunity to like go through this haunted house and get to the end. And if they get there, there's this really awesome prize, but all of the characters are made. It's a party made up of people who would never come together unless they were all trying to engage with something as silly as this. Okay. Um, so they all meet up outside of a haunted house and they talk about like, what, what, why are they there? Why, what is the reason that they are trying to get into this house? Why should they party up? And, um, so like I offer that space to kind of get into your character's head with new players. I always give encouragement when we have a new person coming in. Um, I sit down with my party ahead of time and I'm like, remember not to steamroll. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about party etiquette quite a lot in my pieces, Um, listen with both your ears, not half your ears. Remember that your party is bolstered by every player and not just yourself. And that it is important to give everybody a platform to speak. 
And so this party etiquette allows people to kind of think before they act, because when you're really excited in a D&D campaign, your first thought is, I'm going to do that now. Right. Um, and by encouraging that pause, these newer players are able to kind of find their voice. And finding your character voice does take several sessions, sometimes more than several sessions for some people. But if you have a supportive party and a supportive group of players, they're going to help you find that voice. So encouragement of the party to engage with this new character and not to correct the player if they don't immediately use their their character voice. Give them that space to kind of find themselves. And I found in the downtime session when they're not worried about what spell to use, what sword to pull, what combat is happening is a great time to encourage that confidence. So as I'm hearing you um, talk, and I think the etiquette is also a huge great important topic but mm-hmm. um, you know how have you ever seen there's like dinner party prompts that for like you know in real life like if you're I don't know why you're having a dinner party with people you don't feel that comfortable around but whatever that there's mm-hmm. like little like conversation starter things that you could you leave it like the, their place setting or something and it's like ask the person but, to your left blah 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 if they've ever pet a cat yeah like what, what's your favorite <laughs> animal like things like that I'm almost wondering if like doing like I love tables I love random like just rolling dice and be like this is my new back background cool okay I love I love that but uh-huh. I wonder if there's almost an element of doing something like to to help those newer players if they're like I don't know why I'm at this haunted house I really have no idea yes. and I'm scared like giving them like letting them maybe Put, put together a quick table or letting them draw mm-hmm. out of a hat or something like, this is why you're here, you know. This is why you have shown up at this location. Yes, if that, do you yeah. think that would help? I think that that could be really helpful. Um, creating a, like a D100. Yeah. And it's like the, the gnome paladin is here because they um, want to see how many small spaces they can fit into with this new weapon. Like completely random. Yeah. You know, that encourages some out-of-the-box thinking. Yes. Um. I think that especially if you have a new player who is vocalizing anxiety about playing with seasoned players, um, sitting down with them ahead of time and kind of going through that, that backstory can be helpful. But if they want to play a seat of their pants, creating a table would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I I love, I don't know if that's just my own love I of tables. I want to try that now. I, yeah. Well, it's really funny. I've been integrating tables into a lot of stuff recently just because um, it's really interesting to see what happens when you've got a random element like that. Yeah. So um, it would be really cool to put up, like put together a situation where you have everybody enter a shop and everybody rolls a random dice to see what they're looking at in the shop. Yes. And then like, what are they going to do with that item? Do they buy it? Yeah. Do they have to buy it right off the bat? Like you got you know, mouse foot. What are you going to do with what that mouse do with foot? That? Why did you want And like this? the wizard turns it into an earring and everybody's kind of grossed out for a little bit. Like, But hey. That, but it, it creates an interesting element, especially if somebody is really worried, like they're focusing so hard on like speaking in an accent that they're not necessarily picking up on the social cues of their party. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't want them to be so focused on like the, that faux immersion that they miss like the actual immersion because they're yes so yes all right all right I like this I'm I'm asking this a lot because I know later this month my husband and I are going to be playing D&D with two with three new people um oh, who goodness. Have all, like, it's a big a big new party there's like I I have my husband will DM and me and another guy are 
experienced. And then there's the three newbies and they're all very eager to like as adults, which I love. They're like, I've always wanted to play. Nobody's ever asked me or I I didn't know how like this is we're here for you. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm trying to think like a lot of times with that downtime or like in combat, I feel like they kind of get it. They're excited to roll dice. They're excited to see what's going to happen. But in it's those moments in between that I know are going to happen that I want to, to like, I'm picking your brain to see how I can, you know, get them to bond. Yeah. And, and I think when you tell people like, well, you can literally do anything, then that's when they that's get when, so overwhelmed. That's, yeah. They're like, so having maybe like a, a prompt mm-hmm. is, is just enough to get them their wheels turning. Maybe. Well, something that I like to do too is um, I like to have my um, players roll an investigation check on their party members. Oh, so this allows them to see things that I, as the DM, may only know, or the player themselves who's running the character only knows, like that this fabric is made out of linen that's not from anywhere you've ever been, or um, you notice that this character um, has a scar on their cheek that you didn't notice before while you were traveling. Oh, and I it allows love that. Yeah, it allows the character to engage and ask questions. And that is a very quick way to engage two characters in dialogue with each other. Oh, that's really cool. So that's also like there's an, enough of a prompt. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. Ask about the scar, you know, and then yeah. that and it gives them just like a little nudge. Yeah, that's and that's that I think is just usually what they need to just to get there. Yeah. And now that the other they the other character gets to have a, a time to share a little bit more of their backstory perhaps. Yes. And like kind of add that flavor that allows people to relate to their character. Um, The other thing that I like to do is um, when they're in a space, I like to ask somebody how their character is behaving in a crowded location. Hmm. If you've got like a drow who's never been in super populated areas outside of the Underdark and they're suddenly in a tavern filled with boisterous bards and people talking and things clanking, how do they feel about that? Are they, you know, pulling the collar of their shirt up? Are they pulling the lip of their hat down? Maybe they're lingering by the door trying to get out. And a party member knows, notices, wow, you look super uncomfortable. Do you want to step outside? And then they can go into like, yeah, I have really bad social anxiety because I've not ever been around this kind of a group of people before. And it gives that chance to connect on a human level. Yeah. And that's where that the empathy comes in, in real life, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know. It's good for yeah. kids to be. Those are great things to also employ when you're playing with kids to give them the mm-hmm. opportunity to like recognize somebody is in trouble and yeah. here's how I can help that person. And then they have that opportunity to really connect. And I think that like, I don't know about you, but when I first started playing, there was a lot of um, everybody is secular. They're doing their own thing. They're in their own head. They're not connecting. And then when we started implementing some of these engagement tactics, the cohesion went up. But something else that I noticed was that in character, battle tactical skills went up. They began engaging in a way where they were working together during combat instead of just like you know, Final Fantasy VII waiting for their turn to hit, you know? Um, Suddenly they were like, oh, wizard, use your earth molding spell and make a pothole or, oh my goodness, you have Misty Step, get behind that person. Uh, And they started engaging in this group tactical 
kind of game plan. Um, when we were playing Curse of Strahd, my wife was actually running the campaign. And so much of Barovia is pay attention to your surroundings, use what you've got. You don't have a lot. So we got to a point where in every single encounter, the team was working together to utilize our barbarian strength, our bard's boosts our wizards um i i was playing a what we like to call a garbage wizard at the time he would use whatever he had nice. and some evocation magic and hope something came out that was useful um and then we had a drow um oh goodness i am totally spacing her class right now that is terrible oh warlock thank you dear <laughs> my wife is listening <laughs> But yeah, so we were all working together using these skills that we each had to bolster, recover, and survive. And it created, especially in The Curse of Strahd, a very unique narrative in which the characters all became very attached to each other. And so much so to the point that when things start going wrong and like stuff starts to get quite dark, it was emotionally traumatizing to think we could lose one of our characters in this party. Because we were all like, oh my gosh, they all have to get out of here, but there's a really good chance you're not, you know? It's a very, it's a very heavy campaign. There's a very good chance of full total party kill near the end. Yeah. So like, it was just, it added a whole new level of like weight. The stakes were so much higher and it was, it was awesome. Like as a player, it was just, every session was just, you were on the edge of your seat with everybody there with you. And the best part was we had, we have a player who's always playing remote. And so you, even when we're all, you know, sitting on screens, it felt like we were all in the room with each other because our characters were all there together. Oh, that's really great. And it was built through that party bonding experience. That's amazing. And it it is a whole different, it's a whole different game when, that, that connection between players and between characters does exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, like, when you're planning your campaigns, are you, are there moments when you're like this, I'm going to drop in some, or some downtime, or does it always happen naturally, like, before you're resting or after a rest, or, or oh. are you planning these moments? I, so it's kind of a mixture of both. Um, I try to give at least three opportunities for character dialogue in every session, whether that's just briefly before the, you know, party goes into a new room, um, while they're like in the haunted house one, I've been encouraging a lot of dialogue between characters as they solve the puzzles that are in the haunted house, because it's all ingenuity at this point, they haven't done an encounter yet. So they're solving these puzzles and I give them a little bit of space to kind of feel out their character and add their character flavor on. Um, but I also do, um, I try to pause when the players are showing interest in each other. Um, it's not always ideal from a DM standpoint when you're eager to push your characters into the next section of the, the campaign. You're eager to get to that boss fight. And as a DM, you have to remember to like slow down and listen to your players' cues. Um, we have a cleric that just was pulling some really ingenuitive moves in our last session. And uh, it would have been so easy to be like, no, we're not going to do that. Please just like let other people do the roles because this isn't, or like I could have just completely stopped the character dialogue that was happening between um, the paladin and the cleric as they were trying to work together. 
but instead I took a step back and naturally let them do it. It added 15 minutes to our gameplay, but it gave us so much flavor. Yeah. And that was definitely not planned. I thought that they would just like buzz right through these easier puzzles in the first room and then we'd just move on. But instead they were really taking the time to build those relationships with each other. But this is a part, this is a party that has played together for a while and knows these play styles that I tend to pull out. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't always pan out that way. It, if with new players, it can take a little bit longer. And that's when I put a little bit more of that encouragement in so that they get used to this play style where you have creative freedom. Right. So Dungeons and Dragons is a, it is a creative playground. And if you don't have that space, you can't paint your pictures. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, gosh, I had another question, but I feel like that's such a beautiful <laughs> ending. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I love that. No, really. Um, you're you're absolutely right. Um, that is why I think this topic really stood out to me, even just just from the headline alone. I I love the idea of the the bonding between the characters because like I said, the one of my favorite things about D D is the the social connections you make in real life. And to have have that we don't often think about it happening in game, but just, right. just talking to you and hearing how important it, it, it's, it's important. It's important to your, to your game. It's important to your characters, important to your dungeon master. And it's a great way to, to get more story hooks out there to, to further your plot. Well, and engaging people in the narrative allows such a beautiful story to unfold. It doesn't matter what pre-built campaign you play. If you give players that creative freedom, every adventure you have will be entirely unique, like a little thumbprint. Oh, that's another great ending. <laughs> no, this is why you're a fantastic writer. Um, oh, thanks. So I have, I did read a lot of, you know, what, of your other Screen Rant articles. Um, and I know there's a lot of other really good topics in there. So um, would love to have you come back as a guest. I would be delighted to come back and speak to you about these things. It's, it's an area that I really am very passionate about and yeah, I'm excited tell. to share with other people. Well, you're great at sharing. So oh, um, thank thanks. you. So in case people haven't read this amazing article we keep referencing and want to read more of your work, where's the best place for people to find out more about you, about your writing, about your illustrating? So um, you can find anything that I write on Screen Rant. So if you just type in Laura Gray, Screen Rant, um, my tag will pop up. I cover D&D. I cover Pokemon. Um, I, ha- I do quite a lot of Animal Crossing. If you're at all interested in finding out what cool things Animal Crossing should add. Um <laughs> Most of my updates come near the weekend. So if you're looking for new content, it usually comes right around a Saturday. Um, you can also find me at my Twitter handle. Um, I believe it's just my screen name. Let me look real quick. Uh, yep. Laura Gray Holt. Um, and I just, I post um, articles that I'm particularly interested in myself there. So things that I want to share and have been taking the time to like build up over because, you know, don't want to like flood my Twitter screen. Um, My illustration handle is actually Apollo's Celtic Swan. You can find that at Instagram. I do almost exclusively D&D art right now. So um, I have lots of character portraits and stuff. It's, it's pretty cartoony, not for everybody, but I I sure enjoy it. Um, And then you can find some of my published work in the children's section of, of various local bookstores here in Idaho. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I um I work with a lot of nonprofits to um, help bolster women's services and spread the awareness for diversity inclusion. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. My art is almost entirely geared towards diversity awareness. Fantastic. Gosh, another reason to to love you and your work. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh Okay. Very cool. Um, everyone definitely check out Laura's work. There is a lot of great advice there and we're going to, we're definitely going to have to have you back. I am am excited to talk to you more. I would absolutely love to come back and you guys just let me know when, and I will, I will be here. (laughs) Sounds good. And I know as a new parent, I uh, totally appreciate you taking the time. Um, and although it's probably kind of a nice break. Him, you know. It's. I always miss him, but my wife is being very sweet and hanging out with him right now. So, well, we'll let you get back to him. I'm gonna go give him a squeeze. All right, give him a squeeze from us too. Okay, I will. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. What a fantastic segment. I really feel like we know everything about how to bond. I think that is really, really good advice. Right? Um, yeah. I, Laura ha- has written a lot about D&D, and so I encourage you to just, uh, next time you're visiting Screen Rant, just, just plug in Laura Gray and yeah. look at uh, other articles that they've written because it's good stuff there. Good stuff. And, I love and it. all future topics for how to be a DM. Yay. Uh, we are in the D&D office. Very excited about The Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Oh. It's coming September 21st. You'll be able to play uh, a character that goes to the Witchlight Carnival, perhaps, and play some games and maybe takes a little trip afterwards. It is going to be super fun, whimsical, but also terrifying as uh, many of the things that Chris Perkins writes is want to do. Uh, so I can't wait for more of that. You'll learn uh, a bunch of it in the coming weeks, but uh, you'll be able to celebrate it all during D&D Celebration that following weekend. Will you be able to play in tons of games run uh, by fantastic dungeon masters in many different languages all weekend long. Check out some of the panel content that will be all uh, broadcast on our Twitch channels and our YouTube channels uh, involving many members of the community. It's going to be a fun celebration. So uh, I feel like the next few weeks are going to be chock full of D&D for y'all. Oh, much, much to celebrate. Oh, sure. Right? Um, yeah, last year I got to play in um, the Epic at D&D Celebration. It was so fun. So cool. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So but now you get to eat nerd clusters while playing in a carnival and watching panel content. I'm, I'm going to just be fully immersed in Rapid all that Rapid fire immersion. Celebrate. And into the fan wild. Gummy. I bet, um, I bet. That there's parts of the Feywild that are just comprised of nerds candy. Like I can just see, <laughs> like you just walk along a path and like gummy clusters just sprout up out of the ground, or maybe they grow on trees. I don't Ooh. know. But you can what just, if it's like and it rains nerds on you. As part of your adventure, you actually see these gummy clusters in the path, and then it leads you to the next one, which also has a gummy cluster, and then those become like the Hansel and Gretel type of breadcrumbs like that lead you land. to a witch who's going to eat you. Uh, there are witches. Uh, I'm, I'm a witch. 
I'm a witch. Oh, I'm a witch, and I'm a, I'm a hex blood, and I'm I'm I've got some some oh hag. <laughs> what if the fingernails that you pull off when you drop them, they actually turn into gummy clusters? I will eat my fingers. I was saying <laughs> in our last, and we were playing um, Bart's DMing a Ravenloft campaign, and like. Uh, I just, I ripped off a fingernail and uh, gave it to someone, to an NPC. And he was like, well, why did you just do that? And so then I was like, oh, and I yanked out a tooth. And I was like, is that better? And I was like, no, it is not. And I was like, just put it in your pocket and just hold on to it. I may need to contact you later. Best part of being a Hexblood. You have found your character. I love her so much. So Her fun. name is Hagatha. Ah, Hagatha all along. I'm not going to say how, but she does have a connection. Even though she's in a Ravenloft campaign, she does have a connection to the Witchlight um, and to Prismere because um, I had some insider information about that yeah. campaign. Oh, very exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, you're weaving in all the stories through th- so many different uh, formats and storytelling ways, and that's just like our guest, Kat Krieger. That is what she does best. Weaver of stories. Weaver of stories. So let's uh, call her up and talk to Kat Krieger. Okay. <laughs> let's welcome Kat Krieger to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I'm so excited Yay! to be back. <laughs> yes. Yay! We're so happy to have you back. This is so exciting. You are the, of course, the dungeon master for D20 Dames, uh, but you've been doing so many amazing other things in the TRPG space, including some nerdy things. Mm. Some very nerdy things. Like (laughs) literal nerdy, like maybe like the nerdiest nerd things ever. Yeah. I don't even think that's hyperbole. Nope. (laughs) Nope. It's definitely not. It's the combining of so many nerdy things together. Of course, we're talking about the promotion around nerds candy that Shelly and I have been uh, touting for the last few weeks, ever since D&D Live when it was uh, announced and I consumed far too many nerd clusters. Oh, the gummy clusters. I know. And we spend, like, this is actually turning into gummy cluster talk because Greg and I get so (laughs) sidetracked when we bring those up that all we do, we can just spend like 20 minutes going, are they the best candy you've ever had? They're so good. Kat, have you had gummy clusters from nerds? As I was writing the adventures, I actually tried the the gummy ones for the first time for inspiration. (laughs) And they they do call themselves little sparks of inspiration. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so, it works. <laughs> it definitely worked as somebody, one of the few people at this point who has gotten a chance to read those adventures. <laughs> it has worked. Ding. Yeah. You are inspired. You gained inspiration in a D&D way as well. So now you can re-roll uh, a D20. <laughs> I also love how the gummy clusters kind of remind me of beholders. <laughs> minus the ice dogs. Wait, I thought they were supposed <laughs> to be the heroes. Wait. Mm, they could be. Maybe they're a band of beholders that are good beholders. Mm -hmm. This is the type of adventure where it could happen. This is exactly (laughs) the kind of adventure. So can I just take a minute to toot my own horn? Because I I am so good at pairing people up with projects. Sometimes. (laughs) In this this case, when I found out about this nerds promotion and... That not only will there be nerds candy out in the world with D&D branding and nerds characters dressed up like their D&D party characters 
out in the wild. Wherever you buy Nerds candy, you're going to see these nerds. And then we were also going to do a consumer promotion where with every purchase of your Nerds candy, you can go to a microsite, upload a receipt, and download an adventure, a custom D&D Nerds adventure. And we wanted to do six of them because there's six characters. And then we wanted to do one final adventure where they all come together at the end. And everybody was like, who's who's going to write these adventures? And in my head, I just saw Kat Kruger. <laughs> Who else would write these adventures? I just felt like you were the perfect person to do this. But I also know that you're very, very busy. But somehow you said yes. <laughs> you said yes to writing these. And honestly, well, I don't think that there could have been a, a better, more perfect person for this. Oh, thank you, Shelly. Yeah, yeah, as soon as you, as soon as you, uh, as soon as we got on that call and you told me what it was about, it was, I had to say yes. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, it was really awesome. I mean, nerds growing up was my favorite candy. Oh, No, no lie. Like it was wow. my favorite candy. So when you said nerds and D&D, one of my favorite games, of course I'm going to yeah. say yes. <laughs> I didn't even know that about the favorite candy. I just thought, I just know the work that you have have done and, and do and your D20 dames being so you know great and family friendly that it just felt right. It just felt right. So here we are. So I feel like you had to learn a whole bunch about or create mythology uh, around these uh, (laughs) nerds' colors. I think in learning about this, I didn't even realize that they had different personalities in the the marketing of of nerds. Did you know that before you took on this project? I did not. Uh, It was introduced to me in the brief that that Shelly shared. And I thought it was really cool because it was... That way it was really easy to frame each of the adventures because I had like um, a theme to go with in each adventure and a class. So that was really awesome. It just really helped um, frame everything really quickly. But there was also like, there's a lot of weird uh, connection points between the Nerds Candy brand and D&D. Yes. And like, they're like... Everybody's great and, and individual, but we're we're also just better together. Like when like you can just accomplish more when you're together and and like elevate. And when you each play D and D, when you're in an adventuring party and collaborate, things yes. work out better. <laughs> yeah. yes. Like I kept reading like all the stuff they were sending over. I'm like, oh, this actually sounds like us. This is not to mention that one of your really popular candies kind of looks like one of our monsters. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, again. Minus the eye stalks, but uh, yeah. So I, uh, I, I'm not even going to pretend to understand how people write adventures. But okay, so you got the material that I sent over, but then like you came up with some really clever, cool stories for six of the nerds' characters. But I mean, we didn't give you that much to go on, so. <laughs> How? And plus, knowing that, like, we want this to be family friendly, mm-hmm. uh, we know that there's, you know, this is an opportunity for new people to discover D&D. So we, you kind of have to, like, be careful about how much we're asking of people and how much we're sharing up at first, you know, with the rules and whatnot. So I, how do you even begin to do this? Well, I mean, a lot of it had to do with, with you know, having the class and having the, um, like, the, the, the theme or the personality trait with each of the each of the nerds. So, um, you know, with the what, what was it? Um, 
with the rogue and the pink nerd, mm-hmm. I knew that we would want to have something where you're making use of roguish skills and um, I believe it's curiosity for yes. pink. So it's, um, you know, thematically, you're just like, well, what what do you need to do to sort of exemplify um, curiosity? And it's like ex- do, leaning into the exploration and like that sort of uh, problem solving that doesn't necessarily involve conflict and, you know, disarming traps at the same time. Um, I don't know. It was, it just seemed really straightforward in a lot of ways to me. Which, okay. <laughs> Because even, like, I know the end result, but even hearing you talk, I'm, like, getting a little bit of a stomach ache. Like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's too the hard. Clusters. It <laughs> might be that I ate too many nerds clusters. Um, so curiosity but, was for pink. So how did you, how did you manifest that in the, uh, in the adventure? Am I allowed to, how much am I allowed to say? <laughs> Good question. Um, a lot, like, we can, like, loosely, very loosely talk about some of, of the themes of the stories the adventures yeah so it's like exploring um underground (laughs) um there is like a there's an npc that sort of ties all the adventures together and it's this covert thing that you're trying to figure out along the way um and i think one of the fun things is because each of the each of the classes and each of the first few adventures is just one-on-one play with so one dm one player um, so they're each sort of unlocking an element of the story that eventually ties into the bigger story. Um, and with curiosity, yeah, I was, you know, delving underground and doing the roguish things of, uh, you know, um, disarming traps, going through, through. Right. Yeah. I don't want to say too much. I know. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's okay. We can't really talk about these things without spoiling too much. I the know. experience is all going to be there when yeah. they download it. Um, and you're so, not going to spoil it, I don't think. No. We, wanna, we want people to be excited about it. And I do love that, like, the way you, you explain it, you're unlocking another part of the story. Like, it's kind of like, the, like each adventure builds on the other. And... So you will, every time you go back to that microsite with another receipt for purchase, then you get a chance to download the next adventure. Right. Um, So again, the six are one-on-one, but then the seventh one, the party comes together and you're leveled up to level three. And that's like, you know, like a full-on good, solid D&D adventure. Yeah. Which is so cute. And you're writing for not necessarily, you know, experienced DMs either. So how did yeah. that play into it? Like, how did you get to teach perhaps a new parent who has not run D&D for their, for their kid before? How did you incorporate that into, into your writing here? Uh, there was a lot of, uh, like, discussion up front. Um, I think at the very start of the adventure, there's a, there's a paragraph for the DM um, that essentially says, this is unconventional play. You're not necessarily going to have to fight everything. There's, uh, for the most part, most of the adventures have a solution that doesn't involve conflict, like uh, combat, sorry. Um, There's conflict, there is exploration, there's role play. Um, Generally speaking, I think the only only thing that you absolutely have to fight is probably uh, in the seventh level event or the seventh adventure and um, the fighter because, well, the word fight is right there. Kind so. of <laughs> it's kind of their deal. <laughs> um, That's awesome. All right, so, so for, a, for a parent who has never played Dungeons & Dragons before, 
other than you know you, you you're giving them that paragraph up front how much do we do we give them the guidance on how to run this for their for their there's there's guidance uh, throughout as well so there's that that little starter paragraph there's also you know what happens if it seems like they're fighting something and it's going the wrong way and you don't have to tpk your farty because you're <laughs> you're probably yeah. playing with a younger younger person um even if you're not like if it's their first experience you probably don't want to that to be their first experience. So there's alternatives to, you know, reviving them like a helpful NPC who comes along or a, or a healing potion that just happens to be near within your reach. <laughs> yes. Yeah, probably uh, not a good idea to kill their characters. No. Right off the bat. Yeah. And and throughout there's there there are little notes on um, you know, if you if you reach this encounter, then these are these are some of the ways that it could play out. Um, these are some of the ways that you can um, help guide the story or your player along. Um, so it was very, I think, um, handholdy, but not at the same time. Like I didn't want it to feel too handholdy, and um, there's really some great, um, uh, great assistance uh, in the studio as well. Like I have to shout out to Adam Lee because he did oh. awesome with the ideas that I had and um, just you know, making sure that the concept and those sorts of things came through. Yeah, definitely a dream team for sure, working with you and also Adam from the studio side because he's, this, yes, he was very charmed by by this whole concept and he loved the work that you did. And I think it he just, he loved every minute. He just was like always so excited when he was sending me back an adventure. He's like, look at this one. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. And, um, yeah, like it was just, it was fun to bringing this little nerd party to life. You know, the adventures are a huge part of it, but we, we also made those um, animated videos so that you can uh, meet the adventuring party. Mm -hmm. And that was, was also super fun. I'm looking at the the nerds personalities that are on the nerds candy website, and just Greg because I think this maybe you don't know them as well as Kat and I do. I'm going to give you a quiz or our listeners. Well, the listener, but you're gonna you're gonna answer. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the color nerd, and you tell me which party member you think which role in the party they are. Okay, pink nerd. We talked about pink a little naturally curious, constantly poking and prodding. Which, what uh, class do you think Pink would, would play? I mean, we mentioned it already, but it's Rogue. Duh, yeah. <laughs> All right, good, I got one. <laughs> purple. I'll start off with an easy one. Purple. Purple is quiet and introspective, but no less excited to solve problems than the others. They compute and consider, count and measure. They are thoughtful and poignant. Uh, and in the picture of the nerd, they're sitting on a pile of books. <laughs> Wizard? Kind of, you kind of gave Nailed it away there. It. Nailed also, it. I've seen the promotional video, so those are the two that I've seen already. <laughs> give me, give me some new ones. Give me some new ones. I'm ready. All right, I like to start you off with something easy. Yeah, see, you're learning okay. good dungeon mastering skills there. Okay, ready? <laughs> Green nerd. Green is ready to make light of any situation, diffusing tension with laughter. That's never mean spirited. Yes. <laughs> okay. Orange nerd. Orange is the orange is the simplest. Of the barbarian. <laughs> we don't have a barbarian, but if we did, they're reactive Fighter. and shine in physical situations. Fighter. You know it. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
Uh, yellow. Yellow is technically minded. Mm, this one's a little bit of a stretch. They drop blueprints, build precise models, and think everything through. They're the planners of the bunch and never ready to go until everything is exactly right. They probably pack band-aids. Artificer. <laughs> They're more, more basic. We don't have an artificer. <laughs> Uh, I would have to go with cleric. You on that got one. that. Okay, yeah. and then final red. Red has a wild imagination, often cooking up creative ways to invent solutions. They make contraptions, like maybe a bow and arrow. I don't want you to not get it. They make contraptions, gadgets, sometimes designing a big elaborate way. Artificer. An- animals like them. <laughs> I guess that would be the ranger, huh? Yes. Okay, Red but, ranger. But like, like, we didn't make that up. That was already existing lore from the nerds. I'm just, that. look at how easily they came together. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's weird that there's no, like, black nerd who is, like, into uh, uh, summoning demonic uh, forces and, because uh, then you'd have the warlock class. But, you know, you don't have uh, that, yeah. I guess. Well, black licorice you know, flavored nerds. Maybe there could be an expansion on Next. the nerd side. Mm-hmm. I can, I can put you in touch with some people. <laughs> I got a pitch deck already put together. <laughs> oh my gosh. We could get Curse of Strahd, uh, you know, license. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yes. Barovian nerds. <laughs> Bat shaped nerds. That's amazing. I love that there's all those like, you know, cues and then you really can map them to classes pretty easily. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was meant. It was absolutely be. meant to be. It was so much fun. <laughs> so, Kat, if I remember correctly, like you came into D and D kind of like not that long ago. No, it was when Five uh, E came out. So, okay. uh, that fall, I guess it was 2014. Yeah. Okay. And then next thing I know, you're like DMing live streams and writing adventures. <laughs> Yeah. How does that happen? Like what what <laughs> happened? Like you were just got was first introduced to D&D and then it was just like this creative spark just opened and you couldn't stop. Pretty much can't stop, that. Can't stop. Yeah, it was uh so I I learned how to play at a convention where I was um well at the time I was a, a young adult author, so I was a you guest still at a are. Con- <laughs> <laughs> You're a hard adult. Um, and, uh, so I, I was a guest there and I learned how to play there. Um, uh, I met Chris Tulak, who also works at Wizards and, mm-hmm. um, he's, he's now my partner. <laughs> I, so he I taught- also remember him like telling after that convention, like coming to my desk and being like, oh my God, I met, he was trying to frame it. Like I met someone that I think you would really like her. <laughs> Like, oh, you think I would really like? You guys would really get along. I really think. And then he like spent an hour telling me all of the reasons why you're the greatest person ever. It was adorable. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, so he taught me how to play D and D, and then. Um, but you know, I lived uh, in on the east coast of Halifax, uh, of Canada at the time in Halifax and he was living in Seattle on the west coast and but you know I it was an hour and a half of this game this tutorial and as soon as I was done with it I just thought this is an incredible like collaborative writing tool um and so I didn't have a dungeon master so I I started running a home game of uh, Lost Mine of Fandelver 
Um, and then I had an opportunity to teach at a, a, a youth learning, a creative learning center. Uh, and I pitched um, creative writing through D&D, um, which went really well. And then I did another one that was just D&D. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the, the the kids there are still playing D&D, which is awesome. Oh my um, yeah. Cool. And I, and then after that, it was just, you know, um, eventually moved out here and um, slowly made the switch to, from, you know, book writer to game, uh, game designer. And, um, uh, and I started uh, D20 Dames with uh, Jen Vaughn, um, along with the other cast members. Uh, Jen and I sat together and just, you know, decided that we wanted to do it because we were in we were in a home game for a few months and we heard the Adventure Zone and thought, you know, what would be nice? It would be nice if we did something like that. So it wasn't, you know, so we had like our voices represented because we didn't have, we didn't hear a lot of that or see a lot of that at the time. That was 2017. Um, and yeah, I just it's been so great because it's opened up so many opportunities. I'm having so much fun. Um, I do freelance game design. So, you know, I've worked, I mean, I've worked with you before Shelly on uh, an Avalon Hill game, worked with Hasbro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got an adventures league adventure coming out for the Ravenlofts uh, season. It's just been fantastic. (laughs) A little bit of everything. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, can you talk to a little bit about the um, the workshops you did at Creative Learning with with the kids and how how you use D and D to teach them creative writing? Um, it was mostly looking at the world building. So we would collaborate on stories, and part of it was running the the Lost Mine of Fandelver, and I would get them to um, instead of building Fandelin as is, I got them to um, build a a special place in Vandelver that they would frequent. So cool. those little locations would be dotted throughout the little village that they could go to and get quests from. Um, and they all built this little um, enhanced version of, of this village that exists in, you know, in D and D lore. Um, and, you know, I got them to, look at character development through their character sheet. And, you know, you've got your backstory, you've got your, you know, ideals and bonds and flaws. And that's, that's a way to look at, you know, character development in, you know, if you write a longer piece, like a novel, I I think it's really fun to be able to write a character sheet for your, for your characters, right? (laughs) Yes. We've talked to people about, uh, novelists and and write about have you ever statted out your character and like <laughs> yes if yes. they're D&D players it's kind of like a natural a natural part of the character development for them right yeah. I'm like going the opposite way too of just getting that randomizer with uh, what we do on random character generator oh and like, all right what's what's the story here what's the yeah. hooks what are the ways to get people to uh, develop an entire you know background or, or, or a character that you'd want to play with based on numbers and random choices yeah, absolutely. I did use a randomizer at, at some point uh, just to get the little paragraph. And it's like, okay, this is your paragraph. Write like a one pager on this. Yeah. That's such a great exercise too. Yeah, that's a great uh, thing for, for kids because it doesn't take that long, right? You can do like that in a 20-minute a session, really. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I love that idea of of having them build out little parts of the world, but I also like the idea of then like exploring that part of the world, like having like the rest of the class, like, oh, we're coming to your little corner of the world today. Mm -hmm. And now you get to tell us about this, what's in your downtown or what are the people here like, or what's the threats and what's the, the opportunities for adventurers here. It's, it's a really cool, um, just a cool exercise just to flex that imagination muscle, you know, Mm -hmm. anything can happen in your part of the world. Yeah. I've really enjoyed uh, doing these uh, lessons and workshops for for um, middle grade and and older kids. Yeah, definitely. And then what what about the summer camps? Uh, summer camps were were more you know playing D and D. I did one in Seattle as well at uh, Lake Washington Girl. Uh, oh yeah, middle school girl for girls. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was a lot of fun. It was a whole week. Um, and we even went to archery. Like we, <gasps> we did archery. Ranger too. training. Yes. <laughs> I love that so much. Supplied yeah. them all with red nerds. So they had, <laughs> yes, they they it was. It was mind. a school of red nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had to change their name. <laughs> Man, seeing that, I mean, this is a little bit of a derail, but seeing all the Olympic coverage of the archery thing, how come our D&D bows don't have those like weird counterbalancing things that seem to happen on all of them? I want that to be part of our kit now from now on. <laughs> it looks so cool. Yeah. And that goes with the contraption making that, uh, that uh, Red has. There you go. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Yet another synergy. Uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, and you're you know you're you're a parent now as well. So having, uh, I think the last time we talked, uh, uh, identifying with the paladin. Do you think that uh, uh, your little one is still wants to be the knight, or or are there there ways that you're incorporating D and D as being a parent? Um, he he's very he's kind of all over the place. He, he I think he might be a wizard to be honest because <laughs> he really likes learning a lot. <laughs> Um, Good. So yeah, I think we have a little wizard, uh, maybe multi-class at some point, but definitely a wizard. Nice. Have you been able <laughs> to play with him uh, at all, even on a basic level? Uh, haven't tried yet, but he is a part of our Sunday game because <laughs> he's he's been at the table uh, since I don't even. I mean, he didn't even have words at the time, so he rolls the dice every once in a while. Um, he tries to talk uh, sometimes over us. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we haven't actually played with him per se, but I, I think he's getting to the, an age where I might want to try because he's he's getting closer to three. Uh, he has a little bit of a vocabulary. He really is interested in in the numbers on, on the dice because as I said, he's a wizard. <laughs> yeah. He's already working out the probabilities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little spell book. <laughs> Brings his little spell book to preschool. Oh, little sweet oh, Grayson. Awesome. He's so adorbs. <laughs> he kind of has no choice though. He's he will be a D and D player. I mean, that's just. I mean, he does love games in general. Like we've got like you know games that at his age group. Um, you know, so they're like simple, very very simple games. But he, you know, when when we're playing, sometimes he says, want to play a game. And then, so I I really feel like we're at a stage where we could probably start introducing some level of D&D. And he he, he does some storytelling. Um, 
we had this thing called magic story beans where you just pull a, a story bean out of a out of a pouch yeah. and then oh, it's cool. just you know what's happening in this one in this one bean what's this part of the story that's cute we had those story cubes i think they were which yeah similar, like the dice that have the different um glyphs on them sort of and yeah. then you can um just tell a story based on what your uh what what you rolled you can kind of sequence them together it's it's mm-hmm. it can be as challenging as you want but it's it's always really fun yeah I forgot what I was going to say. Something about games and kids. Was it? I don't know. That's what we're talking about. That's true. Heck. <laughs> game, what about the kids and the games and the D? Oh, I know. Okay. I have, you have experience here. So I now have a new theory about introducing kids to D&D. Oh. For, okay. Maybe I mentioned this before, Greg. I don't know. But so forever, it's for me, it's been like, how do I teach them how to play, blah, 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 be characters. I now think we might start them as dungeon masters. First of all, it depends on the, the personality for sure. Yeah. Yes, but first of all, like I mean, we're just going to train them to be dungeon masters. That and then like because the world just needs more dungeon masters. Right. But I feel like they just knowing like some kids like to have a bit of control or to feel like they are in control and they have such vivid and wild imaginations. Like that part's going to be easy for them just to be like, now what happens? Well, now what happens if I do this? Like you can kind of guide them into telling you what happens. Like, well, okay, I want to I want to kick down this door. Like what happens when I do that? And like how fun would it be to tell your mom or your dad like the door falls on you? Ha ha ha. Like and I don't you know. You take 6 damage. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so fun. Uh, <laughs> but I so I don't know, what do you think? Is this like you said like the personality of the kid might you know, be make obviously a big factor in this, but I still I feel like almost like even all of them would benefit just from a little guided dungeon mastering. I think that would be so much fun. Like I would love to try that with Grayson sometime. I think right now it's just about like this like the collaborative story. Yeah. Um but I think eventually when when they have more like social skills and um the ability to understand like the consequences the consequences yeah but it's also like a way to kind of teach them yeah. that as cause and effect as yeah. well yeah. um plus like from like kids are they're they bother bossy like they make up a rule i can't play any game with quinn without him just being like Okay, okay. And now the rule is that like if we're just playing baseball in the backyard, he'll just be like, <laughs> "Okay. But if I get to first base before you, but I don't have the ball. It's still an out. Like that's a hundred percent not true. <laughs> and that's you just, and you owe me an ice cream cone. <laughs> yes, it's like wait, how did you agree to this? <laughs> that's the dumbest rule ever. Like I mentioned earlier, Greg, that I started teaching him how to play blackjack because I was like, oh, we need some math. Like your math is like going straight downhill since not being in school and having me as a teacher for a year and a half. Um, <laughs> so, so let's teach let, him about gambling. Let's learn. <laughs> well, we may have backfired a little and like moved to like not necessarily like a love of basic math skills into like let's gamble. So it might have backfired. I'm not recommending this to other parents. However, <laughs> he kept getting, he kept hitting and uh, getting 22 to oh. the point where he now is like, okay, so if I get 22, that is also a win. Like, no, it's, no, not. it's not. 
is not the game is actually called 21. That is not the rule. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's the rule for me. 21 <laughs> and 22 are both winners now. So, but, again, kids in their crazy rulemaking, let them do it. They can do that as dungeon masters. <laughs> Just yeah. as long as it's consistent, right? Well, no guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You might have to write some of these rules down. I think you've got some there, Shelly. Like, <laughs> at you? least with, some, like I said, some personalities of kids because a lot of the people that we talk to, like, they started playing Dungeons and Dragons and they, some, some people... I'd say like a third of them are like, I'm just, I was always the DM. Even when I was a kid and to yes. now, I'm just the DM. That's just the role that I play. And there might just be something to that where we we might think that there's this progression from, okay, you're a player for a little while and then you turn into a DM because that, that that was my you know journey. Yeah. Um, but that's not true for all kids or, or, or anybody's journey through Dungeons and Dragons, right? So maybe not to be like, okay, well, this is the fun that they have is, is DMing and, and, yeah. and give that to them. And I actually had my youngest, Fiona, was four, I think, when we played for the first time with her as DM. I was mostly helping me like, oh, it sounds like you're, you're calling for a perception check. So mm-hmm. I'll roll a perception and I'll tell you what Co-DM. I get and you can tell me what I see and I don't see. Um, but it was it was great, and I wish I had latched onto that and kept going with it uh, with her because I I was waiting for oh you need to know the rules and be able to read the manuals in order to and now that she can read and, and start to grok stuff I'm like oh now's the time but maybe your theory Shelley is right all along where it's just give them the type of play that they want yeah I I do like it I mean like for for my perspective the way that I came into it like I was a player for an hour and a half and then I became a DM. <laughs> Right, <laughs> which makes sense if you were a, uh, a an author beforehand, yeah. right? You're like, oh yeah, no, I'm the storyteller. <laughs> yeah, I want to do what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, you really did just kind of gravitate towards like, okay, thanks. I mean, Chris is a great teacher, but yeah, um, you you did just see that role as dungeon master and claim it as your own. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and even with the with the dames, like when we were talking about what our roles would be um, on D20 Dames, it was, uh, I think, at that time, I had DM'd maybe 10 or 15 sessions, and I had the most experience as a DM, so it went to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then four years later, yeah, yeah. still going. Uh, so yeah, how many, uh, how many seasons or arcs are, are, have you been into at this point? We're in our... F- we're wrapping up our fourth season and our first wow. campaign. Uh, so our first campaigns will end uh, in the fall. Wow. wow. And you're going to start a, you know, or you're going to kind of end the, the storyline and, and, and reset after that? Yeah. It's uh, uh, it's all recorded at this point. We had to record it because um, Maris Mullally, who um, actually also works at Wizards now, uh, she was going on mat leave. So we had to record mm. all of this in a very short amount of time in like, October, November of last year. So it's all, we already know what's going to happen, but it's not going to get really, the final episode doesn't come out until end of September, October, I think. So. Wow. Yeah. That's a long lead time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and four years is, that seems like a long time for a campaign, for the, for a streamed uh, campaign. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the average is. Maybe none of mine have just lasted that long. <laughs> Greg's probably like, that's just, that's like an hour. But no, no, I mean, that is, um, it is long. It feels uh, but like a I long think, time. I mean, you guys had, have had breaks and, and, and whatnot here and there. I think that's important. Yeah, 
yeah, we have breaks um, and then we just play our, our live shows essentially. Um, so whenever we go to a convention or these days it's record from a convention yeah. um, online. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll put those uh, sort of in between, in between seasons. So there could be like a month or a month and a half or two um, between seasons where we're just putting that content up. And that all takes place at um, Emerald Forest Adventure Con. So there's some, some, some linear side content there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, and you've got a, a live game coming up, right? Yes, uh, we're going to be at Gen Con. I don't think the, I don't know if it was the actual date was uh, um, announced yet, but we will be at Gen Con. Um, so if anybody's interested, uh, you can check out their schedule when it comes out. And yeah, uh, another adventure at Emerald Forest Adventure Con. Um, nice. We do a lot of, uh, I, I like, I really like writing parodies of pop culture. So this one is going to be possibly related to what we do in the shadows, except oh. family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that as a tenant of, of, of D20 Dames that like anybody can, can listen in. Yeah. What, we're, what, that was, that was important. I think when you guys were starting, right? Well, it's so funny because when we started, we we had this concept that it was going to be like these um, really fierce uh, rat queens esque type of fighters who just didn't give a damn about anything, and you know, just like really um, rough around the edges. And then we 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 started talking about the characters, and and then we went to talk about you know iTunes and do we want the explicit rating on? Mm. And then we decided, no, we did not because we wanted more people to be able to listen to it. And then from there, it was just like, okay, I guess we're going to make this family friendly instead. And we just completely turned it around. And, you know, the characters are still very fierce, awesome femme characters, but they just don't swear. (laughs) Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Just like around my house. There's a lot of swearing, yeah. especially as we my my you know my ten and eight year old are continuing to mature and perhaps <laughs> taking on the worst qualities of their parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, but it's always about learning the context of when to when to do yeah. that. Uh, but I know when you're listening to something in the car or going somewhere, you know, with younger ears, it's really nice to have that option to be like, oh, let's have. Uh, I listen to something that you don't have to like turn it down when they're talking about. Yeah, something and like. you know when we when we got to talking about it, it was you know we looked around and we saw that there wasn't actually a lot of content that for D and D actual play that was family friendly at the time. So it was also another you know well this is this is also a really great um, opportunity not just for our voices but for um, families to be able to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing. Or maybe seeing the, the feedback from, or maybe you you mentioned this to us, but like a lot of like fathers being excited about like, I get to listen to this with my daughters and my young daughters. I want them to hear, you know, see themselves represented in D&D players mm-hmm. and, and not be afraid that like you're going to be dropping some F-bombs like those people <laughs> on Dragon Talk. <laughs> 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 now, Ryan bleeps us out, right? He does, right? <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, that, that is, that's, that is very important that, you know, your, your audience can be these younger women that, you know, want to, to see 
people like them playing around the table. And I think you're, you, you are all wonderful representations of what our, our community looks like. Thank you. Yeah, yeah we're, thank we're, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we're still having so much fun with it. I, and the friendships that I made on D20 Dames has been incredible also. I just, I love them so much. D&D does that to people. Mm-hmm. Those <laughs> friendships, man. Um, yeah, I want some nerds content in there too. Now they're yeah, going to go to... You're going to encounter like... Harmony a, Town, is that what it's called? <laughs> Harmony. Harmony. <laughs> Harmony. The town of Harmony. It is. Harmony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How adorbs. Um, so as a, a dungeon master... And running this, you know, this campaign for four years on and off breaks here and there. But still, like, when you started it and not knowing how it ends, how different is it in your mind? Or did you not even think that far ahead when you started? There were elements that I definitely thought about. Um, and then there were elements where it was just leave it to what happens. Um, and... Um, Let's see what I can say here without spoiling a season here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the what I, the, one of the first things I did uh, as a dungeon master was I created this uh, quiz that was sort of based on Xanathar's Guide to Everything, where they have that, this is your life section, um, and you can fill out your backstory. So I made a quiz based on that. And one of the things I put in there was um, the thing that ties all these dames together is that they have a legendary hero from a, a group of adventurers uh, in history. So they were making up this legendary, it eventually became the Sistrin Circle. Um, so each of them had to tell me who this hero was, what their deal was, and how they died, or if they died, or you know, whatever the legend is, under the understanding that what they told what they tell me is what they believe but not necessarily what actually happened because legends are legends for a reason and stories sometimes get, you know, told out of context or blown up or, you know, the details change over time. Um, So one of the things that, um, one of the things that happened was um, Rose, who's played by Maris, um, she eventually, she got this nickname, um, the dragon um, early on because she, uh, she had, hurt some kobolds and then I think that was also a turning point in the in the in our game where we realized well we don't actually want to fight the monsters we want to like help them uh so she went (laughs) back and you know she apologized and gave them a gift and she earned this 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 nickname the rose dragon um and that really ties into uh what's going on in the in the season right now we just released an episode that I'm not going to go into too much detail, but you find out uh, a lot of information um, that sort of ties it all together. Um, so, you know, there was there was stuff that I knew early on, like from that questionnaire that was going to happen at the end. Um, and then there's all this other stuff that just got filled in. So like uh, when Loria or um, Jess Ross joined the, the dames, um, we needed to figure out some, some of their backstory and uh, so we created this whole monastery based around uh, um, Shanti. Um, and uh, so it's like the house of she who shapes all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole second season basically took place in or around this monastery. 
um, after they kind of fled from Waterdeep after uh, a pit fighting incident. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. that It's almost feeling like it's an outline, but then how you get to those parts is, you know, the, the adventure. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have the seeds. The seeds of the story are there, and you know it's just how it, how it grows is up to the up to the players. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. It's, and then what was it about? Was it just like the storytelling part of being a dungeon master that really attracted you to that role? Because you I mean you can still have a lot of creative freedom with your character, but obviously you know there's more of that. Uh, the, you know, creating the world and the stories and all that with, as a dungeon master. Was it, was that what attracted you to the role or was it something else? It was the, the collaboration on the story um, because, you know, I can, as a, as a writer, I can write my own thing on my own and, yeah. you know, go publish it on Amazon if I wanted to. But it's the whole uh, being able to collaborate with other creators and players and figure out, you know, who these heroes are or what what sort of things are important in this world or or at least to their character um, and kind of build from there and build something that I wouldn't be able to do on my own. And you did yeah. a lot of um, one-on-one episodes, right? If I remember correctly, right? Where it was just you and, and one of the other dames just kind of getting like a more of a backstory type feel to it. Yeah, uh, so we, uh, most of our downtimes uh, had one-on-one. Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was essentially, they would tell me ahead of time the one thing that they wanted to do on their downtime. And then I would have essentially a one-on-one with each of the, each of the characters. And then because, um, because Maris uh, um, got really busy with her work, she wasn't able to commit as much. So she sort of officially like left the dames uh, but is still part of the dames. So she, uh, so what we did there was uh, she she left at the end of season two on a big cliffhanger, um, going into the Shadowfell. Mm. Uh, she just like Uh-oh. walks walks into this portal and to save somebody, and then it closes in behind her, and we're like, okay, what happens next? Ooh, what uh, a great way to go out! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So season season three and four, we got these little peeks into the Shadowfell, uh, and those were all one on one sessions with with Maris, which I really loved doing. I don't think it's sustainable for like a whole, you know, a whole uh, campaign where you have like four years worth of content. But <laughs> uh, I thought it was really fun to be able to do those one on one and and the downtimes as well. That must have been really good training for you know, writing the, well, I guess a lot of adventures, but definitely these nerds adventures that we've been talking about, like how you can frame something that can be done in a session, you know, maybe it's 45 minutes to an hour, but you can tell something that has a satisfying beginning, middle and end with something that is just two players. Absolutely. Um, I, lo- I, I really love those sessions because y- you got everything in it. Like there was, there was a lot of like personal stuff that happened to the characters. There was exploration um, the role playing was more, you know, in this case, because it was the Shadowfell, it was like more like memories and things that, you know, kind of haunted her. Um, and, you know, we also got combat. So you're able to, to do all three pillars, even though you're one on one. Yeah. Yeah. And how would you, I mean, 
I've done a few one-on-one sessions using uh, uh, companions or other things kind of to fill out the party. And it's really fun, but there is a moment of like, okay, well, it's just you and me talking right now, so how do we spice it up? Like, you know, have, have, did you think about that when you were crafting these for the nurse thing? Or, or what advice could you give for people who are running one-on-one sessions to kind of keep it, you know, keep it moving? Yeah, um, you know, part of it is having some interesting NPCs. Um, mm. With in Rose's case, it was really difficult because she literally was just there by herself. But she has, <laughs> but she happened to pick up these two sentient stones. So I leaned on those for a little bit to have some internal conflict, you know, talking in her in her mind. So that you know, I think interesting NPCs, um, interesting challenges as well, so that you're you're not necessarily just talking to the DM. Mm. Um, you have you have somebody else to talk to, and then you can have the DM talking to themselves. <laughs> yeah, that has happened. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do that? Because I was I was listening back to some older uh, Dragon Talk episodes, and I made this joke, and I, I it keeps sticking in my head. But it's the idea of having sock puppets, <laughs> <laughs> so that it doesn't just become. You know, because when you're the DM and you've got two NPCs talking, sometimes you do end up being like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm saying this. And I try to just end it as quickly as possible. But I wonder if you have some type of artifice, if it would be better or not. For, what do you- well, for, for me, I do a lot of accents. <laughs> yeah. So but then I, you have to drop I, in and out very quickly. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I still remember uh, it was our first... Um, sorry, it was the first like three episodes before, uh, right after the prequel. So I had the kobolds uh, with a, like sort of a thick New York accent. And then the gnomes had an Irish accent. And at one point they were talking to each other. <laughs> Back <Man>. and forth. <laughs> that would a be lot of work. Harder. Yes. Yeah. You'll have to go back and get um, what the Beetle and Grimm's, was it the, the puppets of, for the, they uh, had Curse the finger puppets for yeah for Curse oh of Strahd. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now I want to go talk to um, the studio team about putting sock puppets in all of our acquisition <laughs> products, all of our boxes. Yes. This yes. one's a kobold, and this, this one's your a NPC. goblin. <laughs> it comes with five sock puppet NPCs. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, though, I think the, I think the key is to like throw it back to the players as quickly as possible. You know, you have your little back and forth just for the funny moment or for the information exchange, and then it's like throw it right back to the to the player. You kind of have to, right? Because it does yeah. ends up being ugh, so cringy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the one on one is also good for kids because they don't have to wait for their turn. Mm. We know how like they don't like to just wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or not that that they, especially the younger ones, have a harder time with that. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like always your turn. And again, if they're the dungeon master, though, it is always your turn. Like, you yeah. can just... See, another reason why we got to start them off as DMs. Yeah, I right? think I'm going to do this with Grayson now. Let him be the DM. Get some mm-hmm. training in there. What story yep. do you want to tell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Pretty it. Pretty sure I, our story would have something to do with poop and, base, <laughs> and baseball. <laughs> Most likely. Those seem to be the two things that are the driving force in his life right now. Well, at least it would entertain you then. Oh, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there would be dinosaurs and 
Grogu, probably. Oh, cute. I want in on that story, too. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. Fun stuff. Well, I mean, I love that you're working on so many different, uh, you know, TRPG products. We got you working on Hero Quest and uh, all this uh, stuff that's coming up for uh, the Nerds promotion. I, I, people are going to hopefully have this be one of their first, you know, experiences playing D&D. And that's really exciting. That is very exciting. I, I, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to posts. Like, I want to see... I want to see people talking about it because I just think it's going to be really cute for for little kids. I wish, I wish Grayson was old enough to play them. Maybe I'll try though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scale it down for him. I feel like he would. From what I know about Grayson, I feel like he's more advanced. <laughs> <laughs> he's very capable. He is very sure. ca- highly capable. Well, those uh, adventures are coming out in September, right, Shelley? Yes, yes, you should start um, seeing at September 1. Go, go, run to the store, get your nerds candy. You're probably doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if people want to find out uh, more about what's going on with D20 Dames and UCAT, what's the best uh, way for them to do that? Uh, for D20 Dames, it's just d20dames.com. All of our social links are there. Uh, for myself, uh, I have a, a website for my... For my company, it's steampunkunicornstudio.com. <laughs> and that's where I do all of my um, freelance work. So if you want to work or collaborate with me, that's the best spot to go. <laughs> oh, fun. I want I to do. be a steampunk unicorn. <laughs> I want to collaborate with you. Oh, wait. <laughs> Let me just it. Done. <laughs> Done. Well, we'll think of some other ways, I'm sure. Well, Kat, it's always good to talk to you, and uh, this has been exciting. I can't wait for more people to get stomach aches from eating all the nerds and then <laughs> uh, playing out these awesome storylines. I think it's going to be super cool. Yeah, have fun at did. Gen Con. Thank you. Yeah, exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> Give a very well uh, hand sanitized high five to all the dames for me when you see them. <laughs> yeah, well, air high five. Air, air high, high five to the to the camera. Yeah. Fun. I enjoy talking to her so much. Super creative and insightful about how to run games, both online and at home. Uh, I think we're giving her some ideas about how to get uh, her son into playing. I know. And I love the the summer camp and and teaching kids creative writing through D&D. You know that's my jam. I love that so much. I love people who do that. So great job. Great job, Kat. Just training up that new generation of creative minds. I love it. I love it. Uh, If you want to train up a new generation of minds, go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. Check out all the new adventures and uh, accessories like the Wildly on the Witchlight dice set that you might be able to get out there. You can play some games different than Blackjack, perhaps, uh, for for them to enjoy yeah. Uh, yeah. in the Witchlight Carnival. Um, and you can follow Wizards underscore D&D on Twitter or on Instagram or like the Facebook page to get information that way. Of course, there's also our Discord server, which has tons of people chatting about how to play D&D, finding new games. It'll be lit up with responses during D&D celebration. So now's the chance uh, to jump in there and maybe find 
uh, a community and or channel within the D&D Discord server that is your jam. Or you can download uh, Dragon Plus to your phone to get new content uh, around Dungeons & Dragons' latest adventures and some free content on there as well, uh, including interviews and previews about upcoming stuff. And that content is available at dragonmag.com as well. Lots of amazing ways to stay connected to your favorite hobby, Dungeons & Dragons. And we didn't even talk about the D&D newsletter, which you can also sign up for here. Follow the link in the show notes and get going on. Uh, Um, I'm Greg, and you can follow me at Greg Tito on Twitter or underscore uh, Tito. Greg underscore Tito. I keep trying to shorten that for some reason. It always makes me feel stupid. On Instagram, (laughs) Greg underscore Tito. What about you? I'm Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. No underscore needed. Hey, was there like a Greg Tito on Yes. Like a, just was. a regular Greg Tito? I know, right? And I'm like, what? why did you do that? And why and didn't they, you do that on Twitter? I think Twitter? they had like no posts or something like that too, but like I didn't want to go through the rigmarole. Maybe of, it's somebody squatting on your name. It's probably someone squatting, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's a fan account. <laughs> well, now it's been a while. I, need, I should go check and see what it is. It's all like, uh, don't follow this man. <laughs> oh, never. <laughs> oh, man. It's like I feel bad for the, there's a guy who's... Uh, uh, his name is Matt Gertz with an R, which is very similar to Matt oh. Gates, who is the uh, congressman from Florida, I think. Uh, and so his entire thing is just, no, Ugh. I'm not that one. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Because they're both uh, blue check mark, but for different reasons. Oh, no. I know. It's durable. Uh, but yeah, that's probably what this guy's like. He's like, I'm trying to follow Greg Tito. And, yeah, maybe uh, he's got followers that are like, why doesn't Greg talk about D&D? Why doesn't Greg Tito talk about D&D ever at all? Yeah, exactly. He's uh, talking about Needlepoint a lot, which seems strange for him. Well, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's all the fun things that are going on in the D&D world. But there's one more really fun thing, and that is a tabaxi having troubles in Waterdeep. I feel like something was about to happen, and you, you stopped it last week. Something you were banned. in a tabaxi was in a taxi. You were in a carriage going to <gasps> okay. the South Ward. Uh, the garrulous grocer is the name of the compound uh, that you were directed to go to as uh, a harper in the employ of Laryl Silverhand, the open lord of Waterdeep. Uh, you had an audience with her. She had a very beautiful charcuterie board with lots of uh, amazing refreshments mm, that yes. you certainly partook of. I sure did. Uh, um, but then you made your way uh, and are, are, are in a carriage, a very kind of disused, uh, smelly, old carriage uh, that is uh, on its way to the South Ward right now. Yeah, yeah. This guy seems legit on the up and up. Yeah. No concerns. Was something happening though? Or are we? Like- so yeah, you're you're in this uh, 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 carriage, and you were using a minor illusion to make the carriage look and smell better. If I remember correctly, I just wanted him to see like like just a little bit of elbow grease, and look at what you can have. Right, Thanks and God. then you're going, and he tells you like, you better watch out. I'm not sure that uh, the watchful order is going to be happy about you costing magic in the middle of the city like this, huh? And then you go right by uh, one of the uh, largest uh, chapter houses of the Watchful Order 
of the Mage's Sin Protectors. And several of them are outside. One of them's got a very large, uh, ornate pipe uh, that they're smoking out front with uh, two or three others. One's got a uh, like a, a very tall elf with purple robes. Uh, another is a uh, halfling uh, that is uh, also enjoying a, a, a pipe uh, wearing green, kind of almost lederhosen-looking uh, fanciful oh uh, things. And they see this carriage go by, and you see three of them be like, No, what? What oh. do you do? Um... What, I'm sorry, driver. What was your name again? Oh, uh, my name is uh, uh, Ka- Ka- Cotter. Okay, Cotter. Cotter. Uh, he didn't stutter. I'm just that was me coming up with the name Cotter, like C O T T E R. You need to go faster. I, I'm going as fast as I can. This this horse hasn't had anything to eat in like three okay. days. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Just 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 move along. Let's go. Let's go. What? I, I didn't know that there was a ban on magic around here. Uh, and uh, Drunky, or, sorry, Daryl looks at you and goes, yeah, Drunky, it's it's in the, the bylaws. What? You think I read the bylaws <laughs> before I come to a town? Who does that? Samson, like, well, most people are, uh, you know, more conscientious tourists. <laughs> I didn't know I was coming to Waterdeep at like <laughs> two hours ago, Okay. Uh, well, I guess that's understood. Hopefully, and, the 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 watchful order won't be angry with us uh, when they when they find us because it looks like they're 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 chasing us right now. Drunky can't three help wizards, it. The three I'm wizards gonna, that were outside smoking uh, are uh, are floating after you. Uh, I can't help it. I'm discs. like putting standing up, and I'm basically doing like like different Snapchat filters on my face. <laughs> Like I'm not like I'm a frog blah, 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 with like a really long tongue chasing a fly, and now I'm gonna be like a horse. Nay! And I'm just I can't help it. I'm a little drunk and I don't know the rules. Sorry, I didn't read your bylines. <laughs> You're just casting all these minor illusions. Uh, yes, almost tauntingly. Uh, no, like I want them. Like it's for fun. I'm funny, right? Come on. Well, the uh, halfling with a green leader who was in is a kind of like pointing at you, and they're gaining. They're getting. They're getting closer to the carriage, uh, and you hear the the kind of shouts <laughs> from a high pitched halfling, be like, "Stop that carriage! Stop it!" Uh oh! Unlawful Just, use of magic. Why is it unlawful? I, I don't understand you. You're people still. Are you rules. still? My yeah, illusion? and now I'm like waving a banner that says "Available for birthday parties." <laughs> <laughs> Drunky may have nipped a little too much of Lady... Nice. All right, well, the the driver, Cotter, is going as fast as he can with his horse, (laughs) and he kind of goes around a corner uh, really fast, and you're standing up and doing this waving of the (laughs) banner, Um, but the carriage is tilting to the side. Make me a... uh, Your choice, an acrobatics check or an athletics check to try to uh, stay in the carriage. Okay, we're going with... Acrobatics, because I have a little bit of a bonus there, and it's it's a four. A four. <laughs> okay. So you've got this big, huge banner uh, that says "Available for Parties" uh, and a minor illusion in front of you. And at that moment, the ca- carriage turns a little bit to the side and hits a rock and bumps, and Aww. you bump off and land uh, on the ground and you take four points of damage uh, as you kind of fall unceremoniously <laughs> and Cotter and the rest of the carriage goes by and then you're confronted by these three wizards, an elf, a human and a halfling uh, 
uh, and they kind of get off their floating tensors discs and stop in here and be like, what was that all about? <laughs> and we'll pick it up there. <laughs> what was that all about? Okay. That was what the, the, the human wizard said that. Yeah. Man, I love, <laughs> I love that you leaned into... Uh, <laughs> You're like, oh, is this legal? Oh, I'm just going to do it more then. <laughs> it's very much how drunky would roll. And also, I think that you need to write a, a children's book. Tabaxi in a taxi. <laughs> Tabaxi in a taxi. <laughs> <laughs>